up for you, the podcast celebrating the late bloomers and trailblazers of all walks of life. I'm Kelly. And I'm Red. Red, happy Thanksgiving. Oh my God, <laughs> it's two days away. Are you ready? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, I'm not oh ready. <laughs> Good start. Good start. Good start. Well, um, for those who have been following the saga of uh, preparing to leave the country, Thanksgiving is kind of my... I guess it's kind of my D-Day, Thanksgiving Day. I'm going down to my parents and I am officially giving my brother my car because (gasps) I am not going to need it in Toronto. Therefore, everything is out of my hands at that point. I should have moved everything out of the apartment. Uh, It all is just waiting in my parents' car and we are just going to go up. My apartment is available starting the Monday after. So we could go up as soon as the Sunday. We could go whenever. So basically, I just have to be prepared. So it's happening. And I am not at all stressed and not at all sick. So if I sound, (laughs) yeah, I've been getting over an illness, which is lovely. Just like a head cold. I've been testing for COVID because the last thing I need is as I'm about to. Yeah, right. Is it? Do you think it's the stress of this move that has made you sick, or are you just? I don't know. Is it cold? What do you think? I think it's a combination of just me trying to push myself of still working. Um, I like. It's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving and it's my last day at work. And I'm also having my last ride at my spin studio that I've been going to. It'll be my 250th ride. Oh my God. uh, While also doing this podcast, while also working on my Substack, while also. (laughs) Red, how? I'm getting, I'm getting like tired listening. This is why I'm sick. (laughs) I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Like, how are you not just curling up into a ball? Or maybe you are in caboose. That's why I'm sick. Okay, okay. So you are. There's the nights of Caboose just being like, here we go again. Yep. And uh, yeah, (laughs) just all the stress and saying goodbye to people and, you know, different emotions of all different kinds of things and also saying goodbye to my things. Um. (laughs) Oh my. How does it feel to like kind of remove yourself from the things and the places and now you're just picking up? Like, are you attached to these items? Yeah. Is it emotional? Like the car, I would think you have a lot of attachment. The car is hard. Yeah. The car car is very hard for me because like that has driven me, like that's gone with me on more of my journey everywhere. I drove across the country in it by myself. That's right. Um, right. it's, It's been like my one thing I can rely on. It's been my escape if I needed to. It's been, yeah. So, and to give it to my brother, who I do love my brother. He's not very good with cars. So I'm... Kiss a goodbye, Red. I know. (laughs) I'm very nervous about it, but he needs a car. And I know he's very grateful to have that. So speaking of giving thanks, I know he's going to be very happy to have Good transition. Wait, so where are you going to be? Where are you going to be... On Thanksgiving Day. So I'll be down in Rhode Island um, okay. with my family. Well, actually, technically, I think we'll be in Connecticut. How which, very bougie of you. <laughs> like, there's a <laughs> running joke. Yeah, there's a joke in Rhode Island that's like, what's your least favorite state to drive through and why is it Connecticut? And <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I've lived in Connecticut before. It wasn't my favorite experience, but you know, it works for some people. I'm not one of those people. No. Um, <laughs> So, but I will be in Rhode Island after that. So that'll be a nice place to kind of take off from because I do love Rhode Island with 
so much of my heart. Exciting my time. Heart. What about you, though? I'll be, you- well, not as fun as you. I, we don't know if there was talks of a Friendsgiving at some point, and now those have dissipated. So either everybody hates oh. us, or they just gave up on hosting, <laughs> or I don't know what. But my parents are in Buffalo. Sean's parents are in Torrance. They don't ever really do anything. So it might just be me and Sean and Bandit. <laughs> I mean, Which that's kind fun. of nice, though, because yeah. this is your first Thanksgiving as a married, married couple. Yeah. And guess who will do all the cooking? Not me. <laughs> I was about to say, is Bandit doing the cooking? Bandit because will I don't also, think it's yes, you. <laughs> he will be contributing. He's probably more handy than I am because at least he can, like, pick I up the scraps. So. Are you cooking any dish? Do you have any dishes? I am typically in charge of the mashed potatoes, which and is how a staple. do you prepare them? Because I know there's oh. different, like, everything bagel mashed potatoes. I heard about this. Oh, God, no. Thing. I'm I know. Traditional. Okay, good. Um, good, good, good. Which, you know, just like I don't do like the instant stuff either. I gotta make it from scratch. Good. So I am boiling the peeled potatoes and I use both a <laughs> I make them a pretty creamy because they have both butter and milk in it. And I'll throw in a little bit of sour cream just to give it a little bit of tang. And mm. yeah, I'll have stuff for people, like, you know, some you could throw chives on there, you can throw different things, but I don't put that necessarily into it because also people can be rather picky about things. But yeah, just very basic uh, salt, pepper, butter, milk, and some sour cream. And not only do I hand mash it, but then I use a mixer. So Ugh, um, it's some I'm good starving stuff. now. <laughs> I would subsist specifically off of sides. Like, because I'm I would send you some, but I, uh, so yeah, <laughs> we're not keeping well. very well. But like, I, that's basically what we eat. Cause I mean, sometimes, I mean, we'll have full disclosure, we'll do like salmon occasionally, but like, usually it's like, you know, your tofurkeys and your beyond meat. So mm-hmm. nobody likes to invite us <laughs> to their friends giving. Oh, please, but well, you have. Like, you know, there's other things that you can eat that you could bring too. So oh, I'm I sure know. it's just the stress yeah. this year because I'm yeah. sure everyone's feeling it this a year. Little bit, um, a little bit. Yeah. But so I don't think it has anything to do with you because otherwise I would totally thank invite you. you to mine. But <laughs> oh, I know. Also, to like then have you amongst all my stuff, like in the suitcases and everything. Not the best experience. Just take me with you. <laughs> I just want to go to this next chapter with you. I'm so excited. I mean, how you is your family? Virtually. I am, but I will be there physically at some point. I am going to yes, come visit. Yes, please. Absolutely. I'm so excited because I know Toronto, so I could show yeah. you around my Toronto. I know, oh, which I'm yay. excited about because I, I mean, like yeah, as a Buffalo girl, you know it so well. Yeah, I do. It's I'd rather live there than Buffalo any day. Sorry, Buffalo, I love you. <laughs> no, that's fi- but- I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, well, so okay, so for today's person, we're we're doing kind of hometown heroes. I know this month, and this person isn't from my hometown necessarily of Buffalo. But hear me out. This person is from the town over from where I currently call home, in the town oh. that I aim to call home in our next move. So this person is extremely obvious and is probably one of the first people you or at least I thought of when you think of like the word late bloomer. But this person's extremely appropriate for this time of year. You may know where I'm going. Today we are talking, finally, we're talking chef, TV personality, and cookbook author Julia Child. Oh Yay! my God. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the very first people. I don't know about you, Red, but when we made this podcast. I'm like, well, duh, Julia Child, but that's so at obvious. some point. But at it's some Thanksgiving. Point. So I'm like, it's finally time to do the yeah. Julia Child episode. 
Canada. So, Wait, next town over? Pasadena. And it's funny. People oh. associate her with Cambridge, Massachusetts, which they were in for a bit and her husband was from. But no, she was born August 15th, 1912 in Pasadena, which is right oh. next to me. And I'm I'm obsessed with Pasadena. I love Pasadena. I'm going to hopefully live there. I'm in Eagle Rock right now. So it's just a couple miles east of me. But gotcha. yes. Gotcha. So I was yes. like, wait, are you somewhere I don't know? I know, because right? Also I was well, like, are you <laughs> yeah. moving to Paris? No. Like, I'm like what? <laughs> Yeah, right. I wish. No, I uh, I was like, I don't, I'll, maybe there will be a Buffalo person that'll come to me besides Rick James. But <laughs> right now, <laughs> that's all I, I just was like, I have to. It's so appropriate. No, um, it's totally appropriate. And, and so she would be so supportive of the butter I use in my Yes, potatoes. she so, would. Yep. This She'd makes so much one. sense now. <laughs> oh, but she is fascinating. I have so much research that I feel like you. I did such a deep dive that I had to delay our recording and I will probably have to cut this episode down <laughs> because there's just so much fascination with her. But where we begin is Julia McWilliams was born, like I said, August 15, 1912 in Pasadena. She's the oldest of three kids and she was known by several pet names, including Juke, Juju, and Jukies. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, isn't that cute? That's and very her cute. Dad, John McWilliams, was a Princeton graduate and a very early investor in California real estate. So he comes from his dad was a land baron, basically. He had like an empire of land and banking. Whoa. So he had a lot of money. So basically, Julia's dad was like living in the shadow of his dad. And Ooh. so naturally, you know, Julia's dad was very conservative. But his wife, Julia Carolyn Weston, she was old money. She's a paper company heiress whose father served as the lieutenant governor of Massachusetts. So what? she grew up in a house of servants. Yes. So let's not say, hate them. Let's not what? hate them, but there's money in this family. Yeah. And she went to Smith College over there in Northampton. And mm. she was a very hands-on parent, though. We love her. And it's funny, her parents met at the Chicago World's Fair. Very, very cute. Oh, my gosh. Um, but then they moved to Pasadena, which was, like, considered the Newport of the West Coast. And I can attest to that. It's very wealthy and ritzy and old money, but also new money. And I hope to God mm, I yes, make enough money darling. to live. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to Man. see where the voice comes from. Right? Okay. It comes from money. <laughs> from money. It's just dripping in money. So Julia was sent to Mrs. Davis's Montessori school. And oh. naturally, they lived in this huge house. And it was so huge that Julia had her own bathroom in 1918, which is unheard of. That's crazy. <laughs> She had five servants. There were five servants in the house. So I know Jesus. we all want to hate her right now, but we love Julia. So let's not hate on her. I know I mean, I we don't, don't like money. You can't, yeah. you can't help who you're born into, but you can't I don't help even it, have guys. my own bathroom you can't at any point in my life. <laughs> I know. That's the dream, Red. Like when I move to Pasadena, I'm going to have my own bathroom. Like a his and her bathroom is the key to a successful marriage. I swear. That Honestly. will be my goal. <laughs> my next move. So Julia's mom never cooked except like the day the servants had off. And even then she would just cook cheese fondue and biscuits. <laughs> So oh dinner wasn't a thing Julia ever got to learn or play with. I'm you know. just imagining like the <laughs> the Simpsons gif where Homer's pouring the cereal and the milk and then it's yeah. on fire. 
like that's pretty, exactly the kind of level of chef like the mom pretty much is. like me like i feel like i see myself and julia's mom that's incredible <laughs> i know though. you would have thought yeah. she came from a food family no they came from wealth and they were catered to they were served large quantities of simple food by their servants and they ate like wolves and may i add julia she ate like wolves for a reason but she was also a very tall girl she ended up being six foot two yeah <laughs> she was very active and sporty but always like the biggest one around she saw the rose bowl being built which is where i run my miles very fun so that's Aww. how long ago this was the infamous rose bowl but she was a very like kind of a troublemaker which i love she would steal her dad's cigars and cigarettes smoke them in a tree wait just, really yeah she was like a little punk i kind of love it and like I'm so yeah. shocked i kind of like i mean granted, I the only really i don't know much about her until later in life and uh, obviously julie and julia like i've seen that yes movie a bunch of, of times. course so of course i'm not even picturing this side i mean i know i didn't either there's I some didn't... playfulness but i didn't expect a troublemaker she I had one time like her and they called them the baby gang all the kids they <laughs> stole like some old lady's chandelier i don't know how that happened but like they buried it somewhere and just left the frame like they took all the crystals off <laughs> i don't know where or how they what? stole a chandelier but like she also like once do. got stuck in a chimney that she was trying to climb down and they had like the rest of the gang like had to dismantle it oh <laughs> it's just like, my what god dismantle a chimney yeah she was that rambunctious they were always fishing they were biking they were getting down chimneys wow. they were hanging with quote-unquote hobos at the railroad tracks but till the hobos i was like she have hung out with tarzan like <laughs> i know i know seriously i got a little bit of tarzan in her because she was always so tomboyish and very but uh, very uncoordinated wow. i will say she would always like trip over her side 12 feet which Aww. i can relate to i have a size 11 so i see you Julia. i don't have the i still trip <laughs> over myself but i just don't have the feet as you the have excuse. cute feet i do not <laughs> anyway this is the side i wanted to highlight of her because yeah we just didn't know this about her so in high school ninth grade she goes to san francisco the Catherine branson boarding school for girls she always had to play the man or a tree in the plays which is just Aww. hilarious i know poor poor julia she was like a medium student at this school though because they were like of money these kids were not taught any housewife things they were taught all the things that the men were and i find it ironic oh. she sucked at french oh which we would later know play later yeah. yeah she was a medium student her mom also would round out her life with art and music and the humanities so she lived mm. a very privileged life and then in 1930 she goes on to smith college in her mom's footstep in northampton massachusetts and they also there got the same education that the guys were getting but here's a was fun... it still wasn't it an all-girls school yeah it was an all-girls okay. school no wonder she hasn't she hasn't had a boyfriend up until this point and she won't for a while that's probably why <laughs> she's not gotcha. around any guys she has no experience with dudes at all when she enrolled it's funny julia had no idea like what her occupation goal was so she just put like on the application she put no occupation decided marriage preferred <laughs> <laughs> which is a very oh telling God. sign of the times right like right. wow but also i know a few we've jo uh in my family we've joked of certain people who went on the mrs degree that's what they said yeah when i was, yeah. When I was reading about this the mrs degree was her goal and yeah that was great because by her dad's standards he thought like intellectualism was communism so straight a's and like academics were no good in his eyes so i guess wow. we're just really leaning so like into the... sexism and and a woman in her place so wow. that was so interesting 
but she didn't care. She had, she was really popular, like had a life of leisure. She had a car on campus her senior year and prohibition had just ended and she partied like four to five days at a time, which was hilarious. Like just, I can't, I just don't imagine Julia as this wild child. You know what I mean? So I just love to hear that she was like kind of a crazy party girl and like had this whole backstory of just rebellion. Well, I kind of love that she was also literally a wild child. She was. Yeah. A literal she... wild child. Well, not at this point. She was a wild oh, okay. McMill- McWilliams, but yeah. Well, then she eventually. tried to reclaim it later. Yes. So that's exactly. <laughs> what happened <laughs> yes so she graduation comes at last and despite what people usually think she graduated with she she graduated with a degree in history not english and okay. didn't have much direction marry and have kids really you just you didn't go out and do anything at this time in fact actually the president of smith college at their commencement speech said you're not the brightest graduating class but you are the marryingest <laughs> could you imagine that no. being said today canceled immediately like you are the marryingest the marryingest in the congratulatory tone and too. that's supposed like, to be like a good wow. it's a compliment wow. yeah my wow. mind exploded which i guess i shouldn't be surprised but i'm offended be. on their behalf me just too from looking back wow <sighs> oh my god so she has no experience with men at this point but and she has no idea what she's doing with her life but she's on the east coast so she naturally she goes to nyc with some girls from college they move in together she thought she was going to be a novelist and she got a job writing like ad copy at a furniture store making $18 a week, which is $413 today. I did the math. And it's funny. She said she was a Republican until she she was making $18 a week and then she became a Democrat. <laughs> Just not having money on her own, you know? So, huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but here she had her first serious boyfriend, and she's 24. Ooh. So talk about late blooming. But that happened six months in. She found out he was dating someone she knew. So <laughs> womp womp. I know. What the heck? I know. So off she went, though, back to Pasadena because no one had told her her mom was ill. And oh. she had high blood pressure and complications from that. And she died two months after Julia came home, which Aww. was very sad. But I'm glad she got to see her, but she stayed and she kind of buried some dreams during this time. It was kind of a a listless, aimless time. Like she wrote some articles for some fashion magazines, which was kind of funny because she could never find any clothes that fit her because she's so big and tall. I was about to say, what did she write about? I know. It's so funny. So this is like five years after her mom's death. She's still kind of doing nothing in Pasadena, like in her late 20s now. almost... 30? Almost 30. She's okay. almost 30. She's bored. Which in she's... those days, she was a spinster. She's a spinster, <laughs> is about to say. So it's 1939-ish. She's a spinster. She takes like a job in PR. But she actually really loved being single at 30. She actually rejected a proposal from some rich Republican from Pasadena. Yes, girl. Much yes. to her dad's chagrin. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that crazy? Like back then. I mean, she's already a spinster, but to reject a proposal is unheard I say of. I good for her. I know. (laughs) For her, though, her life really just begins at 30. Like, notice I haven't even touched on the the cooking of it all. That's just how much. I know. I know. We have to go. Spoiler alert if you don't know this about Julia Child. Like, you live under a rock. (laughs) It's crazy. So, like I said, it's, you know, late 30s. And now we're going into the 40s. And a little thing called Pearl Harbor happens in 1941. Oh, that old thing. That old thing. That old hat. 
so naturally, you know, the whole country mobilizes. And so yeah. Julia here, she gets a job as a like a filing clerk in the office of the OSS, which is the precursor to the CIA. And shout out to Inga Ginsburg, by the way. Remember Inga? She was like helping the OSS back That's in like right. the Swiss chalet. I was like the CIA. Yes. And then no, it's oh right. So maybe Inga and her had some crossover. I don't know. Oh my god, but... they probably wrote each other all the time. <laughs> right? Because and... <laughs> she because Julia traveled all over. Maybe they maybe they swap I just would love to imagine them crossing paths. So this office though, there's a lot of like creative types inventing crazy shit in this office for the troops at this time and during her time this is crazy during her time at the oss julia developed a shark repellent and facilitated what What? i know (laughs) isn't that crazy it was like kind of like if if like her first recipe (laughs) her first literally she would be like making concoctions in her bathtub and so many versions of it them how i know and it's mel it smells foul because you're repelling sharks it's terrible but the whole idea was the men crash in the ocean then they're stranded they have at least a shark repellent but they're gonna die anyway but at least there's a shark repellent you won't die by like how long will that last i know exactly so maybe not the best use of resources but that's kind of her first recipe was a shark repellent and it's yeah still pretty cool it is really cool and she loved it she loved it so much and it got her out of the u.s on a top secret mission so Ooh. she sets off on this ocean voyage to india but they end up in sri lanka instead Not so the day secret if we know where she went i know exactly <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny the day after the boat docks to sri lanka the dock blew up so <laughs> Good thing oh they got God. there. I know. Jesus. It's crazy. And so Julia here, because of her high education, she has the highest security clearance possible. And oh, she processed top secret documents between U.S. government officials and their intelligence officers. She knew everything. I'm so sorry. Where is this crazy. movie? Because I like- know. Like, I wanted to touch on this because we all know, of course, how it, you know the second half of her life is. But there's this whole side to her in the first half of her life that is fascinating. I want to know the secrets that she knew. But she held them close to her. So maybe we'll never know. But that's badass. Like, no she's a spy. She's a spy adjacent. So even though she enjoyed it and she was big hit, everybody loved her. She felt like she was kind of wasting her potential because she's a file clerk. But she kind of starts to get a love of exotic food, minus the durian, which I don't know if you know what a durian is, but nope. it's a disgusting, foul-smelling fruit. It's got like this <gasps> oh, large, wait, spiky outer yep. shell, and it smells I think Jessica Chastain brought it on like the Jimmy Kimmel show or something. Oh, did she? And, yeah, and she like opened it, and when you open it up, the smell is like apparently revolting yeah maybe she put it in her shark repellent i don't know because honestly just open one of those i'm sure that would work (laughs) but so she's kind of digging into some exotic food and really enjoying it and so enter julia meeting her future husband at work stanley tucci no yes stanley tucci that's all i think of honestly i just think of those two i think of meryl and i think of stanley so they meet at work 
And he was an artist who created maps, but they did not like each other all that much at first impression. And also really? he was he was 10 years older and I think like five inches shorter, which is <laughs> kind of progressive and interesting. But he has a whole different background than she does. He was six months old, I guess, when his father died. And oh. he has a twin brother. And so single mom, his twin brother and him, they moved to Boston. And that's probably why we associate you know, Julia with the Cambridge area because they ended up over there. He joined the Canadian Army at 16. He installed stained glass in churches. He was a black belt. At one point, he lived like this bohemian life in Paris. He taught private school in Connecticut. And then he eventually ends up in the diplomatic service in the propaganda department and the visual art part of it. It was Connecticut, but wasn't it? Like It was Connecticut. Was cool, but then it was Connecticut. That's where dreams go to die. No. <laughs> she's from Mass. She's thinking the same favorite place to drive through. So clearly I can't be with this man. And so when he meets her, he's a little sour because he actually had a girlfriend for 17 years. And right before he <gasps> met Julia, she died of cancer. Oh God! So, I was about Paul. to say like, oh, how dare he dump? I know. Her well, like, he was okay. Never mind. Never. Yeah, mind. yeah, I know. I mean, there may have been overlap. I don't know. But also, but... they never married, huh? After no, seventeen years, girlfriend. That's they considered a mistress if they weren't married. It was a mistress. Um, <clears throat> seventeen years, and so wow. she died of cancer. So he was very buttoned up and sour after that, and that's right when he meets Julia. But. Julia this kind is starting of, to sound like a Hallmark movie. I know it does, right? <laughs> like, there's so many like dimensions and notes to this. It's just like a beautiful recipe. Read <laughs> her life. Oh, I see what it's you did. It's got so there. many notes to it. So he met her. He kind of mocked her in like letters back to his twin brother Charlie for like not having any experience in bed with men, which I kind of am like, come on, Paul. It's not. Come on, kiss and don't tell. I don't like that, but we'll forgive mm-hmm. him. We'll forgive him. Don't 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 be hating on Julia. She wasn't around guys that much, and she was six foot two, which probably didn't help. But whatever, um, it worked that's out. What we call like <laughs> there's like a whole thing about that now. I think I don't think the term is. Uh, a good term but was it amazonian where they're like oh amazonian woman yeah where it's just like women who are like yeah tall like models that's where like the that. models are now like come on come on he he should have appreciated it because exactly. that's like oh that's applauded we now. got someone who again another equally offensive term napoleon complex which uh-huh. apparently he wasn't even that short sorry anyway <laughs> person to focus on but anyways being a little intimidated by a woman who you know also seems to be in a lot of ways a challenge and that like you know she's highly educated she has like a lot of clearance and she literally physically is surpassing him so yes absolutely in multiple ways so it's just come on interesting (laughs) pair to see together but it works and and they would they would get transferred to China together and they would hang out a ton and now here's some more of the love of food inching its way in. They would try tons of different foods and local cuisines, whereas all their friends wanted the American food. But no, Julia was so curious about all the food. There was this simpleness, she said, to the Peking food that she loved, which she would also love about later the French food. So <laughs> this was fun. So they're still friends though at this point, like Julia and Paul. And Paul had his fortune read by some fortune teller and, and they told him, you will have a romantic and intelligent woman come in and complicate things in your love life. And he said, I wish you would come already. I'm very lonely. <laughs> She's right next to you. Like, yeah, no he kidding, still didn't dude. see her like that. It's crazy. 
Oh, so he's <laughs> like, Julia, weird. do you see anyone? <laughs> yeah, where where do I find her? Help me, Julia. Let's go. Let's go to the bar. Did they say but, anything to Julia? I don't I don't think she was there for that. No. Oh, or else okay. she probably would have slapped him. <laughs> but <laughs> so now we're at the end of the war, 1945. Angelia's 33, Paul's 43. So Obviously, they fall in love. They come back to the States. They travel. They meet each other's families. <laughs> they exchange many steamy letters to one another during this time. I've heard about and this. And one of the favorite things I, I read was, come on back and sit on my lap so I can bite your earrings off again. <laughs> and that's one of the safer things that was said. Ooh, I, like <laughs> I know. That, I'm sweating, Red. I'm sweating. <laughs> <Whew>. But... <laughs> So Julia at this point is back in Pasadena and her food curiosity has been piqued by her time in, in China and she tries I mean, to go to, as you should. Like, as you I mean, should. Yeah. Granted, we're a little bit we don't actually get like the authentic stuff here. But still no. like, to have that even the influence of it over here. Absolutely. Like- so she's kinda, you know, looking for something to do and she's like, I'm gonna go to cooking school. So she goes to a cooking school in Beverly Hills. Really? Absolutely. I thought yeah. she didn't do that until later. Okay. Oh, well, okay. it doesn't last long, I'll say, because oh. they do like cow brains and red wine recipes, hard lard edition. Like everything. The food was not good is basically oh, what it ended up being. The food was disaster. In? 1945. Yeah. Okay, so we're like in jello everything. We are in time. jello everything. Like the food gotcha. is awful. Well, that makes sense. Cause yes. So she does what? not last long I there. I feel like I might have said this. <laughs> in a previous episode but i'm pretty sure that was when everybody was smoking so they also their taste buds were terrible oh right yes you did say that <laughs> it's true though like they were all very just cow brains, oh, cow brains and red wine <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't I'm sorry, last long I'm and her... to food but wow. yeah not that no, no thanks. and and so her cooking's still terrible but whatever because finally they get married on September 1st, 1946. She's 34. But, Red, it's just crazy. The pics from the wedding are not the best because they got in a car accident, a very serious one, the night before. So oh in some of the pictures, Paul has a cane and she has this large white bandage on her head. It's crazy. <gasps> I, you, I might have to post a picture. It's like... To think that they may have died before their wedding, like the night before their wedding. It's oh, just, my God. I know. But luckily, they made it to their wedding day. She's 34, and which is very late for back then. Like, whew, you're a spinster. I was about sure. to say, Ouch. I know. Um. <laughs> oh, no, but. you're going to find them. And it's going to be amazing. And he's going to be a hockey player, like I've said. Yeah, I know. You already have him, like, set aside on layaway somewhere up in Canada. I do. I have him ready for you. You just have to find him. Thanks. Appreciate that. (laughs) So they're setting up house in Washington, D.C. But they have a house fire, two burglaries, and a lost job right away. So... It's time for oh, a reset. Marital bliss. <laughs> Take a deep breath, girly. It's gonna be okay. Yeah, not Jesus. not a good first outing of their marriage, but luckily, in now we're in 1948. Paul is reassigned to the U.S. Information Service at the American Embassy in Paris. Now we see where things are going. Da da da. <laughs> we're finally in Paris. <laughs> that's how that's how much there is to this this woman it's just fascinating so wow. they're in paris paul knows it well julia she's just a fish out of water she she never forgets the first meal she had in france it's it's oysters portuguese it's 
Sol Miner. It's creme fraiche. It's champagne. It's coffee. This meal was orgasmic. It changed her life. Like that was the meal that did it for her. Like wine with lunch. Like she was hooked. Like she, <laughs> like cue the, cue the movie montage. This is just her. Like you know, talking to the florist, getting the fresh baguette, like having a a, a coffee at lunch. You know what I'm um, you know what I mean? Just like. Meryl Streep instead doing the scene from the birdcage where it's Nathan Lane going through yeah. and just yeah. like the piglet is home but yes. it's Julia Child. That's exactly <laughs> what this is. This is the movie montage of her falling in love with French cuisine, French just the, the vendors, the people the culture, everything. This is, she's in heaven like butter butter and cream. Those are butter. those two things are her new religion. <laughs> Oh, girl, I've been preaching to that religion for a very long time. <laughs> oh, my God. So so she now we're finally catching up to how we all know her now. She decides to enroll at Le Cordon Bleu cooking school. And this is now this is 1950. So she's 38. Talk about late blooming. She hasn't even started what we know of her professional cooking career until 1950. But unfortunately, they first put her in a homemaker's class with the housewives, like how to boil uh. an egg and like peel a potato. And that is not what she wanted. And so right. she like made a big, you know, fuss about it. And eventually they agreed to let her join the guys, like the professional class. Because well, she did know how to do those things. She did. Like the very basic. So she knew she's the like, basics. okay, I'm beyond this. She's beyond not- that. And she's not like the housewife type. She doesn't have, she, they never had kids. So, you know, she doesn't, she wants to be, you know, in the professional class. So they eventually let her in with the professionals and, and they're taught by Chef Max Bugnard and they would teach them the demos in class and she would recreate the dishes made from class at home. She would just mm. practice, practice, practice. Like one time, and I think this was in the movie, she got critiqued for not being able to chop onions. So oh, I she went home and got it. a huge bag of onions and chopped her heart out much to Paul's horror because there's no modern refrigeration at that time. There's just an icebox. So could you imagine the smell of the just sheer amount of just a bag of onions coming home to that no ventilation probably no and like not at all like what a waste but she got really good at onions you better believe it because this Uh, woman was dedicated hope so after that because had she not and he had gone through that like the two of them would have been like we might need to talk about divorce (laughs) yeah exactly like I, I applaud her tenacity and determination because she truly was and became the teacher's pet. She, she, her teacher Max Bugnard. He, he even gave her like private lessons. He admired her Aww. drive. Like he took but her. But that's to, the thing when you care yeah. so much about something, and like you don't have to know right away like what your passion is, and your passion can change. Like oh yeah, so oh, absolutely, I love, that. I love that. Like she's such an inspiration. And he really admired that. And so he takes her to this famous French market and introduces her to all his favorite vendors and cooking gadgets. And Julia is like acquiring all these gadgets at like rapid speed, much to Paul's chagrin. Although they didn't have food processors at that point. So imagine, Red, just how buff Julia must have been because they had to do everything by hand. Like that's exhausting just to think about like, I don't know, potatoes, just doing that is an ordeal like making mashed potatoes i know so yeah (laughs) and that's just making it for like my family of like well now eight so so 
all the things that they didn't have back then we just take for granted but she was working you know kind of old school from hand for a lot of this and it's funny she's so tall the stove in her kitchen was just above her knees it's just like not equipped for people of her size at all she was just a towering giant in the kitchen but after all this dedication and obsession julia failed her first final exam (laughs) because she loved the science of cooking so much and she was so obsessed she just went way too big and complicated with her dishes instead of keeping it simple and so she toned it down and she passed on the second time she got her diploma (laughs) she's graduated from Le Cordon Bleu and she joins this women's gastronomy club because of it and it's basically a book club for chefs and it is here. So do you read cookbooks or do you like try recipes? Both. Listen, um, I wasn't going to be upset either way, but I yeah, just yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's 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 fun. And so here she meets two very, 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 very important women, Simone Beck and Louisette Berthollier. And the three of them would start their own cooking school called what translates to the School of the Three Gourmands. And Simone and Louisette had been working on a book together to introduce French cuisine to Americans. Ooh, la la. Yeah, and it's the first (laughs) of its kind. Like, I think that book, The Joy of Cooking by Irma Rombauer, I guess. One of the ladies, I think it was Louisette. Louisette, she knew her and introduced them, and she kind of gave them some tips and tricks because The Joy of Cooking was a huge deal. So they submitted to publishers, but they were rejected for the book being like way too long and way too complicated. And Mm. they were recommended to get an American advisor. So don't mind if I do. And Julia (laughs) was happy to oblige and step in. And she's 40 at this point. This is the early 50s. She's 40 years old. And really life again is kind of just beginning as we know her. So, Julia rewrote, retested, changed the order, ripped the whole book apart because that's kind of what she was brought on to do, even though the other two ladies probably didn't love it. But she she was so devoted because she had no kids. So she has all the time in the world <laughs> to do this. So there comes a woman named Avis Devoto. She's an editor and a publisher type. They meet because I think Julia sent some knives to her husband after reading some cooking publication. He wrote in saying, I need new knives. Mine suck. What do I get? Um, so through that I was weird. Like waiting for yeah. the context because I was like, it's a weird happenstance. <laughs> I know. No, no, no. He was just like complaining about like, what do I get? I don't know. And Julia sends him these knives after reading that. Aww. And then they become friends like Avis and the husband and her. And Avis was very important because she showed Julia's wor- work in progress. The three of their, you know, the, the new version of this cooking book to her publishing friends. And it took I'm skipping forward through a lot of years. It took nine years. Red. Wow. Nine years to make this book. And eventually it leads to a 726 page Mastering the Art of French Cooking. 726 pages. It was published. I just pictured it more yeah. though. Mastering the Art. <laughs> Mastering the Art of French Cooking was finally published in 1961. <laughs> nine years after starting it. After multiple rewrites, years of testing and retesting recipes and setbacks, the book quickly becomes a bestseller (laughs) and it receives the critical acclaim that derived in part from the interest of america had in the french 
uh, cooking and culture because Jackie Kennedy had a French chef. And everybody wanted to be Jackie Kennedy. Wait, hold on. I need to pause to applaud that voice. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I really, I knew I had to get it in there somewhere. And that was the appropriate time. (laughs) I've been practicing for you, Red. And I was like, I have to get one. Thank you. Because like normally I'm the one doing the horrible voices and everything. I leaned into it for you. (laughs) (laughs) But French culture was a big thing in the 60s because Jackie Kennedy was so influential to housewives. They all wanted to be her. She had a French chef and mastering the art of French cooking came out right around that time. So it becomes a huge hit, sets her off on a huge success. She writes, eventually she'll write 20 more cookbooks. She writes a regular column in the Boston Globe. What you should read, side note, is her autobiography called My Life in France, which was published after her death in 2006 oh. written with her grandnephew and Aww. i just want to recommend that to everybody if you're to read one book it's this it's very gentle even though they had some shitty times i glossed over it's about her life with paul and post-war france but yeah that's just a side note okay so now we're back in 1961 so she appears on a book review show on what was then the National Education Television Station of Boston, WGBH-TV. And this led to the inception of her first television cooking show after viewers enjoyed her demonstration of how to cook an omelet. I'm sure we've seen that scene in Julie and Julia Uh of her making this omelet. But, like, he wasn't even going to have her do it. Like, he was just going to have her talk about a recipe. And she's like, I'll do you one better. I will cook you an omelet. And they had to, like, gather ingredients. They didn't even have anything ready. And she just, like, And that's, like, such a staple now in, like, so many TV shows to do that. Omelet. Even in The Bear, the show The Bear, like, they have a whole thing about omelets, like, a whole episode or part of an episode. It's just that, like, critical to a chef is how you make an omelet. And the viewers loved it. They were obsessed with her. She was just a huge hit. So the French chef debuts as a summer pilot series in July of 1962. And this leads to the program becoming a regular series on WGBH. It was, it ran for 10 years. It won Peabody and Emmy Awards, including the first Emmy Award, actually, for an educational program. Really? And though she was not the first TV cook, she was the most widely seen because she attracted such a broad audience with her cheery enthusiasm, her warbly voice, and her (laughs) patronizing, unaffected manner because they had to go live to tape. So if you fucked up, she was live. She would just be like, oopsie. That's part of the process. <laughs> she would roll with it and make it like accessible to people. Aww. That's why it was so endearing because she's just doing this live. Fuck it. We're going live. And if you're going to get an eggshell in the bowl, whatever. It happens. If you're going to drop your <laughs> lamb, pick it up because no one's looking. It's fine. So in 1972, it's a fun little fact. It became the French chef was the first program to be captioned for the deaf, which I think was very oh. cool. Yeah, that was very cool. So now we're going into all of her other work. She, she has a second book, The French Chef Cookbook which was a collection of the recipes she had demonstrated on the show. Her signature dishes were beef. I can't even pronounce it. Bouillon? Beef bouillon? Bouillon! Beef bouillon. Her signature dishes were Okay, you're also talking to like someone who does not speak any English, so... (laughs) For that, all I know, I'm just yeah. like the Peggy Hill of French, where I'm like, 
Bonjour. <laughs> yeah, that was one of them. French onion soup, coquevin. Those were her signature dishes that she would feature and make them accessible to the American audiences. And soon it was followed by the 1970s, Mastering the Art of French Cooking, Volume 2, and her fourth book from Julia Child's Kitchen. Just so many books. She had like 20 some cooking books. But it wasn't the uh, first one 700 something pages. 727 or something. Isn't that crazy? Jesus. All right. Well, oh boy. she definitely got to that point where she was like, oh, I wanted to write. Well, it's yeah. like, good job, Julia. You wrote. <laughs> you definitely wrote and then so. <laughs> yeah. So in the 70s and 80s, she was the star of a lot of TV programs. Julia Child and Company. Julia Child and More Company. Dinner at Julia's. <laughs> she just had so many things. Won so many awards. She, in 1980, started appearing on Good Morning America. She was on the cover of Time Magazine at age 54. Like, wow. just late blooming queen, like, just left and right, making no waves kidding. on every medium of, of entertainment you possibly could be. In 1981, she founded the American Institute of Wine and Food with some vintners, Robert and Richard. Good job, you three. And uh, that <laughs> the goal of the, that was to advance the understanding, appreciation, and quality of wine and food. And in 1989, she publishes what she considered her magnum opus, which was a book and instructional video series named The Way to Cook. Ooh. And so now we're kind of getting towards the end-ish, but not quite. So uh, <laughs> in the <laughs> almost, but not quite. So uh, during the AIDS crisis in the 80s, she she was holding, you know, some homophobic views. Really? She came up in that time. But she became a very passionate AIDS activist, triggered by a very close associate of hers succumbing to AIDS. So I got to give it to her, you know, that she she evolved. Like she yeah. came from a certain background, but she she pivoted and really um, right. she had some activism. Sometimes, yeah. unfortunately, it does take seeing someone close to you. And like, thankfully, she wasn't the, one of those people who, you know, her beliefs were more important than the care and the love of someone else like Absolutely. she was able to be like actually you know I love this person and come around to understanding like you know I mean Absolutely. this is way before we would say love is love and all that but like to realize oh like I care about this person and I don't want to see them suffer like suffer. this and then yeah so yeah. something needed to be done and I give her so much credit yeah, yeah it takes a lot for people to People are stubborn and they don't, yeah. really, oh, it's very hard for them to give up their belief systems and things like that. So good for her to good understand. For her. Good for you, Julia. Now the mid nineties, as part of her work with the American Institute of Wine and Food, she becomes increasingly concerned about children's food education. She stars in four more series in the nineties with guest chefs, tons of different shows where she's educating and making cookbooks. People did call out some critics of hers, the use of her ingredients like butter and cream, food critics and modern day nutritionists. But she addressed these criticisms throughout her career, predicting that a fanatical fear of food would take over the country's dining habits and that focusing too much on nutrition takes the pleasure from enjoying food. In an interview in 1990, she said, everybody is overreacting. If fear of food continues, it will be the death of gastronomy in the United States. Fortunately, the French don't suffer from the same hysteria we do. We should enjoy food and have fun. It is one of the simplest and nicest 
nicest pleasures in life. So not quite forgiving, like apologizing for some of her ingredients, but yeah. she's not wrong. We are definitely more prude than the French and, and Europe in general. So she's a big proponent of enjoying your life and enjoying food and YOLO. <laughs> right. So good for you, Julia. Oh, fun fact is Julia Child's kitchen, which was designed by her husband, Paul, was the setting for three of her TV shows. And it is now on display at the National Museum of American History in Washington, D.C. So cute. It's so cute. Like her home kitchen in Cambridge was like transformed into a, a like a fully functioning set with like the TV lighting, the three cameras, like a massive center island with the gas stovetop, electric stovetop. I want that in my house. Like, should I just start a cooking show, Red? And then I can get like yeah. a nice kitchen. Okay. Right. That's it what all I have off. to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Julia at that time spent some time in Sicily and she was a voice in an animated film. We're back, a dinosaur story. <gasps> <I love Swimbank. laughs> in 1993? That's crazy. Wait, who did you what? play in that? It was Dr. Julia Bleb in the animated film We're Back, a Dinosaur Story. I love We're Back. I have no idea what that is. <gasps> it's the one with the dinosaurs. Oh my I, god! Well, my I get that. Yeah, but it was uh the human children. The little girl is played by the voice actress who does Lisa Simpson, and it's such a distinctive oh. voice that I. But oh my god, that's such a good movie. Wait, oh I didn't know that. That's, that's so, cool. so funny. Okay, I'm glad I. Oh, I, I love that movie. <laughs> I've never it's heard of such it. a good. Oh, Whoa. oh, girl, you. We, we need to go on a whole separate tangent at some other point because it will take too long. <laughs> I love that movie. Oh, well, now you know Julia's in it. Oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> so funny. Now I have oh to go back God. and rewatch and figure out like who she was. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just totally no. geeked. <laughs> no, I love that. That makes me happy. And so also during this time, an American journalist, Bob Spitz, he's spending time with Child as he's doing his own cookbook sort of thing. He takes notes and voice recordings of her to make a second biography on her, which was published in 2012, right before her centennial of her birth date, actually. And Paul Child, around this time, oh, was no. uh, he was 10 years older than her, remember? He died yeah. in 1994 oh. after five years of a series of strokes. Very sad. Oh, um, no. And so, yeah. In 2001, Julia moves to a retirement community. She donates her house to Smith College and her kitchen, like I said, which is the National Museum of History. And then she passes away of kidney failure in Montecito, California on August 13th, 2004. Two days shy of her 92nd birthday. Couldn't wait two more days. <laughs> Really? You know, <laughs> just sometimes people just want to, like, it's her and it's Betty White. Come yeah. on, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so bummer. She was so close, Betty White, right? Like, wasn't it like a week or oh, something? Or I think it was a weeks? week. It was literally like, I think just a so week. Annoying. And Julia, though, two days. So, yeah, two days. So I'm just going to say she was 92. So her thing about her legacy, quote that I love of hers, she says, I don't think about whether people remember me or not. I've been an okay person. I've learned a lot. I've taught people a thing or two. That's what's important. Sooner or later, the public will forget you. The memory of you will fade. What's important is the individuals you've influenced along the way. Hmm. So 
Julia Child, we love that for you. And you are all over the place. She got so many honorary doctorates from Harvard and Brown. And she's in the in the National Women's Hall of Fame. She was inducted in 2007 into that. Like the movie that we know, Julia and Julia, came out in 2009. There was that HBO series, Julia. You parodied know. her on SNL. You know you I parodied her on SNL. <laughs> she was number, in 1996, fun fact, she was ranked number 46 on TV Guide's 50 Greatest TV Stars of All Time. Just Aww. the accolades, the Peabody's, the Emmys, the awards just don't stop coming. The Her her legacy lives on forever. She made cooking accessible to everyone. Her relatability, just her, if you make mistakes, just move on and, you know, enjoy food and live life. I just love Julia Child so much, Red. I wish I could cook like her. I know. Well, she, I <laughs> mean, if you do follow along. I mean, okay, in time for Thanksgiving, maybe not. No. But... <laughs> And also, I'm pretty sure her stuff is not very vegetarian friendly. No, um, absolutely not. I'm pretty sure even her veggie dishes, she'd be like, put the duck fat in. Yeah, and- she would. <laughs> absolutely. Anywhere she could. But, oh, what an inspiration. What a late uh, bloomer. Like I said, like her life didn't really take off until the 30s and really not until the 40s. Well, I mean, and again, it took things, 10 years but... almost for the book yeah. that we know to be published. Like, I mean, it's that's crazy. That's so inspiring. So even though, Kelly, you're saying that, think about it. You could still be like the next Julia Child. Uh, still... <laughs> yeah, you think? I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll turn it around. You're going to be the completely. vegetarian Julia Child. The vegetarian gonna... Julia Child. Sounds oh. like an oxymoron, but I swear yeah. it's possible. And you're gonna do it. She would roll over in her grave hearing that. Like, absolutely not. Julia, I'm what? sorry. No meat. <laughs> we had to highlight her for Thanksgiving. No, Everybody, just in time for Thanksgiving. Think so. about Julia and, and and go to one of her 50,000 recipes. Right. And we love this, <laughs> this for her. And also, like, yeah. Kelly, I'm so thankful for you. Oh, thank you, Red. Oh. Thank this you is guys. so great. I mean, I'm so glad you spotlighted her because, yeah, she really is like quintessential. Oh, yeah. Long overdue. If you think food. Long overdue. I just yeah. didn't and know I mean, when. I know it's the, the parody, but I think about the Dan Aykroyd doing the turkey yes. as Julia Child. Yes. So, I mean, of course that's going to work. Of course. <laughs> of course. We should post. That should be all of our content. It's just the SNL Honestly. <laughs> There's so much to draw from. Yeah, so let us know your favorite Julia Child, I don't know, media, moment, quote. Recipe? Recipe, <laughs> question mark, or or your cooking fails or, or wins uh, this Thanksgiving. So yeah. have a good Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yay. See you next time.
Thank you for joining us on I Love That For You. Our theme song is by Vaudeville and used with permission. Our cover art is by Jenny Lamb, edited to the best of our abilities by Kelly and Red. If you want us to spotlight someone, have questions, or just want to say hi, email us at ilovethatforyoupod at gmail.com or join us on Instagram at ilovethatforyoupod to join the love fest and see what else we get up to. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever else you listen. We appreciate all your love, and if you want to help support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us spread the love and reach more people. Thanks for listening. We love you.